Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. This is going to be a mess of a podcast. Welcome to the Cannon Cast, a weekly podcast from the Cannon, an SB Nation blog about the Columbus Blue Jackets. I am Will Chase, joined tonight by PD. Hey, Will. Eric Seeds, how are you doing? I am irate at Verizon, but I am happy to be here. And Rachel Buells, I see the wine glass. What's up? Hey. So obviously, the Blue Jackets regular season has finally come to a close. I think we're all kind of ready to just turn the page, get into the offseason. But of course, the huge topic, John Tortorella. And the Blue Jackets have parted ways. Uh, obviously, a new coach will be coming in sooner than later. They want Yarmo is saying that they would like to have that done before free agency. Uh, so, starting with John Tortorella, I feel like it's kind of a mixed bag. We all can allude, or we can all we can all talk up, you know, the achievements. We can also talk, of course, the controversies and things like that. So, PD, I'll start with you. John Tortorella and legacy, what comes to your mind? It's a mixed bag, and, and I, I wrote about that uh, on Sunday after the news came out that it was official that he was done, and uh, I think it's it's impossible to talk about his time in Columbus without looking at both the good and the bad. Uh, I think obviously the bad is fresh in people's mind because it has been such a disappointing season. I do think in the long run, though, I think the legacy will be more positive than negative just because of this being the first extended successful run for the team um, and for some of the milestones they hit, obviously the first playoff series win against Tampa, um, you know, the 2017 season where they had over a hundred points, like, uh, you know, in the 16 game winning streak, you know, I think those things will end up outshining the, the rough spots in it. Tortorella came along at the right time and he got the team on track. And, but at the same time, I feel like it is, it is the right time for him to move on. I, I think that this happened the right way. You know, I had been saying all season that I thought it was time for him to go, but I thought that he had earned the right to go out on his terms. And I think that he did that. You know, I feel like this is a, uh, you know, a very mutual and amicable parting. I think both sides just realized like, Hey, this is, this is just not the right fit anymore. His contract was up. So it was easy to just say, all right, we'll, we'll go our separate ways. Uh, and I think, I think that was the best for, for all sides. Yeah, definitely. Seeds, I want to hear your, uh, hear your thoughts. <laughs> okay. So 
obviously anyone who listens to this pod on a regular basis knows I have been on a long time crusade to get John Tortorella the hell out of Columbus and the hell off my TV screen. I had reservations about him when he was hired, but for those first few years, he exceeded them in that he didn't try to fight entire other teams. He kept blowups in the media to a minimum and generally seemed like a coach who had reformed himself. For a team that was sorely lacking in any sort of accountability and was sorely lacking in any sort of, how do I want to say this, uh, respect or dignity or anything in in the league, he helped bring about a change in culture that was badly needed at the time. And I... I'm grateful that he did that. Can you guys tell I'm measuring my words quite carefully here? You're doing a great job. <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah. Doing, doing good. <laughs> However, I think, like, I think he overstayed his welcome. And I am sh- curious how many players on the roster would possibly think that. The reason I am bringing this up is because, regardless of my own thoughts on the matter i was listening to 31 thoughts before i came on this podcast and elliot friedman reported on that podcast that a number of key veterans went to the front office last season when the team was apparently thinking about moving on from tortorella and asked him to stay and asked them to keep him around And Friedman was speculating that he wonders how many of those players, if given the choice, would recognize that Tortorella probably stayed at least a year too long and the message got stale and he kind of lost the room. So what I am, you know, obviously I think it is clear that, you know, once the season started and there was no extension in place, Tortorella was never coming back. It was kind of all, it also became clear that they were never going to let him go in the middle of the season, regardless of performance of the team. And like the performance this season was absolutely dreadful from about a third of the way on. I don't see, there's no way you can sugarcoat that when you finish dead last in the division behind the Detroit Red Wings, who are very clearly in a rebuild. The Columbus Blue Jackets struggled mightily this year and they were not helped by their coaching staff. They were not helped by Tortorella. They were not helped by his assistants, who he stubbornly stuck by for far too long without making any changes. I am grateful that Tortorella came in when he did. He was the right coach when when he was brought in during that 07 and 0 stretch. But Tortorella nearly exceeded that at the end of his tenure here, and it was time for him to go. And I am very thankful there will be a new voice behind the bench and a new voice in the room next year because I want to see what another coaching staff can do with this roster, however it is remade. Also, please, God, get Brad Larson the hell out of this town. (laughs) Yeah, he has a shot at interviewing. Yeah, right. Go ahead, Rachel. Yeah, I think I'm... uh probably fall right in the middle, if not a little bit closer to um, PD's opinion. Um, You know, I have not been some long-term fan of the Blue Jackets, so Tortorella is the only head coach that I've ever been familiar with in the program. And I know that I've, I've written about this before, but just being around him and watching his press conferences in person, I mean, I really did love his energy and his personality and 
his like kind of mix of like intensity, but also he could be funny, like whatever. And I know that that's not what makes you a good hockey coach. I think, however, it, it did make him a, a good person. Um, I highly agree that this was the correct decision sure. for the team to come to at the end of the season. I'm glad he didn't, I'm glad it, it was like a, a graceful exit. Right. You know, it wasn't right. in the middle yeah. of the season, in the middle of a season that like could not be saved, no matter who they would have replaced him with, no matter, you know, I don't think that that would have made a difference. Um, so I'm glad that they are allowing him to leave with the, you know, with dignity. And the, I love the, emphasis that they put on every one of their statements a mutual agreement that the club is parting ways with him like they're making it very clear that it's what both parties want and so I think that's cool I've been seeing a lot of you know kind of like anecdotes about what a great person he is from players and from people who work with the team and like I think that's cool I think that's important I totally agree honestly it's giving me kind of Urban Meyer vibes um having been uh an Ohio State uh, not only student, but football fan and then reporter um, as a journalism student and working not, not to say that anything that John Tortorella did was <laughs> anything near, you know, Urban Meyer being, I'm not an Urban Meyer fan personally. Uh, and I am a John Tortorella fan, but I think that the farther we get away from his tenure, the more favorably everyone will look back at his time as a blue jackets head coach. Do you know what I mean? So like right now it was so ugly the season was miserable. Um, and there was a lot to criticize. And then as we get away, you look back at everything through rose colored glasses and you're like, wow, he really did bring about that cultural shift that the team really needed, um, you know, in the mid 2010s and, you know, brought them to all these playoff runs and whatever. There was a lot of good. There was certainly bad. I'm, I, I am multifaceted in the way that I will miss him, but I think it's the right decision um, that everybody came to. Uh, and I'm not in any rush. I was nervous when I saw that it, they hadn't decided yet whether or not it was going to be an internal hire or um, that they were going to look externally. I don't want them to rush into anything internal. I think it needs to be an external hire, if you ask me. But When I saw the tweet about they don't know whether or not Larson and uh, Shaw would interview. I was just thinking like, what the hell could Brad Larson really bring to the table in that interview <laughs> to say, here's why I should be the head coach. But anyway, uh, from a Tortorella perspective, definitely. So like Rachel, I'm a, I'm a Tortorella fan, but it, it definitely is time. Uh, I do. I, I was also kind of, I guess, playing the devil ab devil's advocate in my mind. And I was like, you know, this blue jackets team for the, for just about the entire Tortorella experience outside of that 100 point season you know this team has always lived and died on that late run to get into the playoffs which i think we talked about recently in which they didn't have that luxury this year uh it was a 56 game schedule so i'm just wondering in a full 82 now of course the pld drama aside that was a big loss anyways but it's like at this point, I'm kind of just glad that this team finished in last place. Now that they are in last a last place team for the year, better draft <laughs> positioning. I don't. I'm not advocating for. I don't want to tank tanking and all that. But at the same time, it's like let's not. Let's just completely get the best best draft pick they can. See what they can do, rather than maybe being like a Dallas Stars team, for instance, just missing the playoffs, being where they are. But I don't know. From a Tortorella perspective, I thought it was kind of interesting, too. I mean, not that I expected any players to come out and say, thank God he's gone, because that would just create more drama. But 
they're def- they're either either some players were just taking the high road or they all really seem to genuinely like him. And I get Tortorella the person and Tortorella the coach are two different things, but it seems like they really seem to like like Seth Jones was saying, I hope he's back. You know, in line A, it seemed to like everything about Columbus too. So we'll see, of course, how that what that means long term. But yeah, it's time for a change. I think that yeah, I I will not say that I'm not going to assume that every player loves torts or anything, but I do think that probably the majority of the locker room respect factor was it yeah they at the very least respected him, but I think a lot of guys did genuinely like him, uh, especially you know the players that have been around for the majority of his tenure because I think they they've been here for the good times and they've been here for the success. I think they understand the role that that he played in that. I think he has had a positive impact on a lot of those players, helping them grow as professionals, helping them to grow as people, you know? Um, you know, I think you certainly look at a guy like Cam Atkinson, who was in Todd Richards' doghouse at the end, but, you know, quickly became a guy that Torch trusted a lot and gave him a lot of responsibilities that he really thrived in. Uh, if you look at a player like Oliver Bjorkstrand, who... Um, had a lot of ups and downs, honestly, as a young professional in the Torts era. But, uh, you know, I think we've seen over the last couple of seasons how that tough love maybe paid off. And now that, he, you know, he's not just a, a great scorer on the team, but he has, you know, become a 200-foot player as well. On the other hand, you have some <laughs> other players who have famously been in the Torts doghouse and were either traded out of town. Not, you know, not every player responds to that tough love cur- uh, type of coaching and I find it difficult to reconcile that uh, Torts might not have you know try obviously we don't know what happens behind the scenes but right. all we do is see these public spats where players and the coach famously do not get along and then the player is shipped out of town and then goes elsewhere and blows up or was never given a chance in Columbus and goes elsewhere and blows up so that is part of the Torts legacy to me, as as in as Fair. much as yeah. you know, the speech of uh, the speech he gave in the first period against the Tampa Bay Lightning, and at that first intermission, like you know, that's as much you know, Tortorella, he leaves behind a very complicated legacy in Columbus. Um, there were very, there were high highs, obviously the sixteen game winning streak and the sweep of Tampa Bay, and there were some lows. You know, he obviously he. He has made comments in the in the press that I disagree with that I do not that I absolutely do not enjoy. He's made comments in the uh, press that I enjoy and uh, find you know find took great joy in. I'm I'm remembering as Rachel was talking you know about how he would speak to the media. I'm remembering the time he uh he yelled at Jeff Remmer for Remmer's phone ringing in a press conference. And that was absolutely <laughs> incredible. Like yeah. th- threatened to find, threatened to find Remmer $500. That's, that was outstanding. Like towards towards leaves behind a complicated legacy. I do think he had kind of overstayed his welcome here, but I'm interested I'm, at this, at the end of the day, you know, I'm thankful for what he did. I'm thankful for the uh, accountability that he tried to bring to the roster. Was it always fair? No, obviously some guys were, uh, some guys remained in the lineup well beyond their usefulness. Some guys remained in the lineup who probably who did more to earn a scratch than players who were in fact scratched. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited to see what the next breath of fresh air, because I got to hope and assume this is going to be an external hire. I'm excited to see what that next breath of fresh air from the next coaching staff brings, but thankful for Tortorella for what he did. But it was as 
you guys said it was time. It was just time. And yeah. On to the next aspect of this. So who do you guys think could be the next head coach? I mean, there's, I don't know. Like, I don't know the European names out there. You know, the one guy that I've mentioned and I've thought about, and I don't know about for the Blue Jackets, but I've heard that he is the next, potentially the next, you know, big head coaching candidate was Manny Mahaltra who does have a Blue Jackets connection. I don't know if he would be the right guy, but I think it's interesting. He is a, a, an assistant in Toronto. Uh, he's very highly regarded from what I remember hearing about, I think over the last year or more. But um, what do you guys think about a guy like that or whoever you might be thinking about? Even a guy like Brad Shaw. I don't know, but I kind of want to see external. But so my, my thing is I, I don't want just a another retread same like i'm fine going with a coach who has not have prior nhl experience there are two different paths that really intrigue me one is in in line with what you mentioned manny malhotra i've also heard um luke richardson Mm. for another former blue jackets captain current assistant with the canadians uh or kevin denine who has who has been a head coach in the nhl before briefly he's had success in the ahl he's coached uh i think a canadian women's olympic team he's been assistant when Chicago was good. Um, so there's some guys like that who have, uh, you know, a blue jacket connection. connection, which is not certainly not a requirement, but it's nice. It's a nice for the narrative, you know, but guys who have had success either as assistants or as head coaches at lower levels. So any of those names are intriguing to me, or I also am very intrigued by the idea of getting a European head coach, you know, we have the we have the first European general manager, so yeah, why not grab a European head coach? And I think especially as the roster is getting more and more European, and I think John Tortorella was a perfect fit for the North American core of the roster. You know, you think Felino, Jenner, Atkinson, Jones, you know, those kind of guys that he really fit with their line of thing. But, you know, I wonder how much he related more to a to a Bjorkstrand or a Bemstrom or a Gavrikov or, you know, maybe Tarasov and Chinnikov coming in, uh, you know, maybe a, a European head coach would relate more to, to those kind of players. Um, so one name that's been thrown out, uh, Ricard Gronborg, who has coached the Swedish national team. He's coaching a, a Swiss pro team. Now uh, he does have some North American connections. He went to college in the U S and coached some college teams and some junior teams here he has an amazing beard. Really respect his beard game as, as a new member. Beard game of the, strong. As, as a member of the, the beard club myself now. Uh, so that would be intriguing. Uh, there's a guy, Yalanen, who has coached the Finnish national team. Basically, though, I really want to see the team cast a very wide net. Interview like a dozen guys. I don't care. You know, stre- you know check, reach out to a bunch of different backgrounds. I think there's something to be said for... Uh, you know, a, a diverse pool of candidates. And maybe there are some that you, you know, would not be maybe Yarmo's first instinct to inquire about, but bring him in for an Pick interview and you might find something, something clicks like, oh, hey, you know, but the, the, the most important thing is bring in a coach who is in alignment with the vision that Yarmo has for the team and whose philosophy fits with the roster, the roster that we have, the prospects that we have coming up. Because I think that was the thing with Tortorella is that he just his style no longer fit what this team was, and I don't think that he and Yarmo shared a vision anymore for what this team was going to be like going forward. And I think and that 
is what eventually led to this break. I'll be honest, I don't have a clue about many of the coaching candidates out there. I'm currently looking through a dispatch article of like possible candidates. One of the candidates they mention in here is, um, well, they, uh, they mentioned a few, but one of them that I found very interesting, I don't think he would come back to Columbus because he was an NHL coach and now he's on, on the older um, side. He's had 14 years of NHL experience. His name is Bob Hartley. Mm, yep. But the reason he is intriguing is um, they did an interview with him on, again, the 31 Thoughts podcast last week. But he uh, he was the head, co- head coach this past year of uh, Avangard Omsk, where uh, Igor Chinikov played. Yeah. So he has experience coaching Chinikov. As he, as the Blue Jackets' uh, first-round pick is making his transition to the North American game, having a head coach that he is familiar with and having head coaching experience in the NHL could be a benefit. I don't, like I said, I don't expect him to make that jump back because listening to the interview last week, it sounded like he would only come back for a team that has a chance to win a Stanley Cup. And I don't obviously think Columbus is that doing that next year. He did win a Stanley Cup with the Colorado Avalanche back in the 90s. So yeah, he's... He's a coach with some success, yeah. and he, he's won at a lot of different levels. That was a very interesting interview. I highly recommend that to people to listen to that. Uh, I liked that he said that Chinnikov reminded him of uh, Joe Sakic, that he had hit that kind of shot, which is intriguing. Although he did also say he, that he thought that he wanted Chinnikov to come. He thought he, should see, he thought he wanted him to stay in Russia for another For one more year, he thought he could do some more work with him. Uh, so that's, that was interesting to hear. But yeah, so, but what, basically what I would like to see from a head coach is um, – I just want to see someone who's more willing to, I know Tortorella, like, I'm trying to figure out how I want to say this. Tortorella seemed like he adapted the system more than I think he actually did. And he certainly never adapted the power play. I know that was Brad Larson's realm, but you're the head coach. At some point you are accountable for what is happening on the ice. The, he ended his tenure over the the last six years. The Blue Jackets had the third worst power play in the league, and like for the offensive talent that came through here and played on the ice here, that's not that's just not good enough. So I hope the next head coach who comes in here is willing to take some chances and adapt. Maybe let some young guys play through play through some mistakes without playing them seven minutes a night, and just let the guys let them try to grow into future or let the team try and grow and just figure itself out organically. Today's episode is brought to you by cars.com with over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day. Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, I'm Neelai Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. 
a little spoiler for you. If a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. Rachel, what do you think? Do you have a coaching candidate? That sounded great. Yeah, no, I'm thinking someone on the younger side. Yeah, kind of like the new baseball route. I just want to switch it up. I think that they, I think that the Blue Jackets are in such a rut. And I think that it almost puts like blinders on them as far as what they think they can do and what they think they're capable of. And if there's any time to break away from that, it's right now when they've just, you know, Felino's not there as of now anymore. Savard's not there anymore. Like we've gotten, but who knows what's <laughs> happening with the goalies. I honestly can't even get into that right now, but like th- this is the time to like, I really think flip the script. Um, and I, I don't know if it's necessarily important to me to have some 14 year veteran take the helm as head coach. Like I would love some European guy to come in and because yeah, that's so true. Like the, I don't know if you would say that the, the core of I feel like it's almost you almost think that the core of the team is like these like North American guys, but like not really not like the young guys. Um, and so I think that that is a uh, could be a, a difference, could be a game changer if um, they got someone in who was prepared to coach Not that Torts wasn't. But well, OK, maybe he was pre- unprepared to coach the line A's and the Bemstroms and the Gavrikovs and, you know, um, I don't know. I think to, to find a coach that would match their style of play better than like the, I hate this like descriptor of the blue Jacks, but like, the, the blue collar team that they are. I don't think they have to be that. I think that they can be edgy and um, that they have the talent to be edgy and that they need a coach to kind of match that as opposed to just, slotting someone into that mold that already exists i I do like the idea that you said of of a of a younger coach because that's someone that could come in and kind of grow with this group it makes me think of like when like when john cooper was hired in tampa you know he was he had had success at a lot of lower levels but he was a young guy but then he's been kind of a long-term coach for them with that core as that the stamkos kucherov point the Vasilevsky core has developed into this amazing team that finally won a cup. Um, so I, it'd be nice to have someone like that that could be a mm-hmm. be here at least six years, you know, last longer than Tortorella did, but really be the coach for this group of players through their entire tenure. Right. And, and you've got so much offensive talent coming, you know, theoretically coming over. You've got Chinikov coming over, Marchenko supposedly on the way in a couple of years. You've got three first round draft picks right now. So theoretically, you're going to get at least one good prospect and probably trade two of them for a center between those those the couple Russian prospects, the opportunity to flip assets for a center. God willing, they can re-sign Jones and Wierenski. And then basically everyone else on the team is a free agent in the next couple of years, save Cam Atkinson and Oliver Bjorkstrand there's a real chance to remake the roster into they don't need to be 
a grinded out two to one game team every night. There, you have a chance to like Marchenko can score goals. Apparently, everything I've yep. the only thing I know about Chinikov right now is this kid's got a wicked shot. Bjorkstrand has a great shot. Cam Atkinson might not be a great play driver, but he can finish plays. The, this team has an opportunity to go out. We don't we don't need to watch a team finish 29th right. in the league in goals per game every year going forward. That there is an opportunity to remake the roster in the next couple of years if this if if the front if if the front office and head coach are aligned in the vision of what they want to see on the ice, there is a real chance that we can see a different Blue Jackets team in the next couple of years. And it it's kind of really cool. So uh hopefully the I, we just need to find a head coach in line with what Yarmo wants to do. Yeah, PD, when you were talking about uh, a wide net for uh, interviews for coaches, you know, it reminds me like, I don't know, I was thinking about in baseball where, you know, I, I remember a team was looking at so many different managerial candidates and it was like most of them probably had no shot of really getting the job. However, there were other, you know, bench coaches, former managers, but, you know, they were able to maybe yeah. pick their brain and learn stuff that they could apply themselves. So I think it's always it's always a good thing to go out there and see who you can bring in, see who, who you can talk to, what you can learn, maybe implement yourself, whether or not you hire him. And, and, and he's like, get, get some, you know, outside perspective on what this organization looks like. Because we, what we talked about last week, like there needs to be some soul searching as to, yeah, you know what might need to change from top to bottom, really, with this organization. What might be driving people away? What might be obstacles towards this team being competitive? Um, and before we move on, one last thing I'd like to say about the the torch thing. I liked what he did for his staff over the weekend. Um, on Friday, he had Jared Bowl on the bench with the rest of the coaches. Uh, so that was the first time that Bowl has gotten to do that as he's been part of the staff, and then. On Saturday, he had Dan Singleton on the bench, who has been the video coach for the entire time the Jackets have been a team and has always been, though, just in his room watching the monitors and stuff. He hasn't actually gotten to watch these games in person because that's that's not his job. But he got to be behind the bench for a game. He got to handle the D-pair assignments for a period. Um, and I thought that was a really neat gesture uh, for Tortorella to do for the staff that has helped him out all these years. And and I like that everyone knew that this was coming. And so, you know, the fans were able to chant towards his name in the final game and kind of give him a send off, not with a full house, obviously, but with the fans that were there. That was, you know, it was neat to show that appreciation for him. And it was nice that they were able to end it on the win for as tough of a season. It's yeah, been, the win was good. Yeah. Over Overtime winner. That That's so you know you're not ending it on a on a bad taste, yeah. And it kind of works out too. Again, not to harp on standings, but they didn't potentially ruin any potential draft prospects. But they got the win. It kind of was yeah. a win win in that regard too. Again, not not to you know. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> so the other big topic last week, a couple of things. So I think we were all shocked when John Davidson, former Blue Jackets president, Rangers president, is out in New York. This comes off the heels of the Tom Wilson weekly, uh, what seems like a weekly incident with Tom Wilson. Now, I know that, that James Stolen, the Rangers owner, or, or at least the media, is saying that the Davidson and the GM in New York being fired had nothing to do with their, the tweet that was put out about you know George Peros, the head of player safety, to be fired and all this. But I don't know. I, 
it just seemed the rest of the league thought it was just crazy what the Rangers were doing. I cannot believe that they're going to really potentially sabotage their retooling, rebuild, whatever you want to call it, because of bad play of late against a team like the Islanders, for instance. Uh, I do think I do think Dolan just wanted his team to back him about the tweets or whatever the case may be. But regardless, I want to see Columbus go after JD again. Yeah, or or Jeff Gordon. You know, I, I think yeah, it wouldn't hurt to bring in some different voices in the front office to help Yarmo out. Uh, yeah, I thought that was a a foolish move on Dolan's part because I think the Rangers were on the right path with the rebuild. It was going to be a tall order for them to get to the playoffs this year with how stacked the East division was. But I think that they were on the right path. Um, I think the best explanation for what happened is that because the Knicks are finally good again, that Dolan had to meddle with one of his teams. So he couldn't screw up the Knicks this year. So he had to do something to shake up the Rangers. Uh, The whole, and the whole Wilson incident was just uh, ugly. It was so ugly. And then the game, then the game Wednesday was a complete catastrophe, which could have been avoided had the league, done the right thing and suspended Wilson. Uh, I, and, you know, what what what, ha- what he did was, were, was not the most egregious thing he's ever done, but I think because it is him, because of his reputation, he doesn't get the benefit of the doubt because, and I think he has been punished so severely, and the message that was supposed to be sent with that was, hey, you're on notice, stop doing this stuff. If you keep doing this stuff, there's going to be serious consequences. and you know, he you know he's kind of on double secret probation, and yet uh, here he crossed the line, and they didn't. They you know he got a slap on the wrist, a five thousand dollar fine. Uh, it's ridiculous. I think Department of Player Safety does need to be overhauled. They need to have a better process for how they handle these things. Not be so bogged down by precedent, or at least establish new precedents that you know take hits to the head seriously, because they they're just not doing that. I have had it with this headhunting goon. You know, Brendan Carlo is like hasn't come back from his last uh, from his from the hit that Tom Wilson uh, was suspended seven games for. That it was reported from multiple outlets that George Paris didn't even want to suspend him for. Carlo has reportedly suffered memory loss and mood swings as a result of his concussion from Tom Wilson attempting to decapitate him for no reason. Tom Wilson, oh, I'm so sorry, I'll change, and then comes out what he did the other night didn't look that bad live, but you slow it down and he's punching Buchnevich in the face. And then he ragdolls Panarin once. And he, you know, if you want to say he might not have known who was on his back the first time, that's fine. This, you know, I, I get it. Natural reaction. Someone jumps on you. You're going to want to be like, and, and he's got probably what? Seven inches and 70 pounds on yeah. our Timmy Panarin. Sure. The next time when he drives him into the ice and ends his season, that's intentional. Mr. Wilson has earned zero benefit of the doubt. But what's infuriating about this whole thing, other than the fact that he is a headhunting psychopath <laughs> who is allowed to continue playing um, with knives attached to his feet on a nightly basis, is the NHL does not view Tom Wilson. The, the reason he was suspended 20 games and then it was reduced to 14 on arbitration is because it was his third third head hunting incident in 12 months that earned him that suspension but if tom wilson were to skate by uh seth jones tomorrow night and spear him in the balls with his stick none of those head none of those headshots are counted as prior history because he is being looked at for a different 
offense. They are not taking the totality of the player's actions into account when they are reviewing the player's account. And I'm sorry, but you don't get to headhunt a dude for you don't have to get to headhunt multiple dudes. And then just you sh- you shouldn't be allowed to just headhunt multiple dudes and then just and then just commit a different offense and it'd be and it just be like your slate is clean. No, that's not how this works. You are like you can't go I I couldn't go out and commit armed robbery at 15 banks and then uh all of a sudden I just wanted to carjack someone and the carjacking is the only thing in my criminal history. That's not how this works. The the NHL Department of Player Safety needs to be overhauled because like I understand that the NHL Players Association part of their deal is we represent everybody. So it's their job to stand up for Tom Wilson, but isn't it also your job to stand up for Brandon Carlo and Oscar Sundquist guys who have been like, like Carlos, like I said, Carlos still hasn't played. Like he's going to miss the rest of the regular season. He probably won't play in the playoffs. Like Tom Wilson's chicanery has gone on for far too long. And it is high time. Someone either he or the team or the, or the NHL as a whole is made to answer for this. I don't care if you want to suspend the coach for as long as like maybe, maybe Peter Laviolette gets suspended for as long as Wilson is suspended because you can't rein this psychopath in you suspend, you find the team 250 grand every time he's suspended because you can't control your player. There needs to be incentive at some level to stop this behavior. So I have a working theory and that's that if Tom Wilson was not an NHL hockey player, he would be a serial killer. Like, <laughs> I am not kidding. I listen to a lot of true crime podcasts. I watch a lot of true crime documentaries. He fits the mold. He would literally be a rage killer. Like, he would get so angry at someone that he would lose his head and murder them. And he is, he personally is fortunate to have an outlet that is the NHL that lets him go and attack people and then only have to pay 0.000095% of his yearly salary in retribution. Like I, he makes me physically ill and I've gone to, um, you know, 90, hundred, some home games. I've watched referees scrape players blood off the ice with their bare hands. I've seen some really disgusting fights watching that slowed down, attack that Tom Wilson perpetrated on the Rangers was made me physically ill. Like I couldn't watch it for a couple of days and then I did watch it and I was like, "Oh my god, he's he's an embarrassment to the league in my opinion. He is he's sick. Uh he's deranged and he, and he's unhinged and he's out of control. Um and it really makes me sad that he, he look at all the collateral damage that this one psychopath is able to uh, create it's 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 wild he flipped the rangers upside down honestly kind of funny okay i have a television pitch <laughs> hear me out if anybody from bravo or e news channel listens to this podcast please feel free to reach out to me at rachel Buells. so um real housewives of new york already exists i want a real housewives of new york rangers i want to hear from the wives <laughs> of these players and these front office members, because you know who let out one of the best statements that I saw was John Davidson's wife, where she posted that picture of him with all his grandkids. And she was like, at the end of the day, you maintained your integrity. You did what you knew was right. And I totally agree with that. 
And I just want to hear from these women because I'm sure they're getting a lowdown. I'm sure they have got so much tea to spill. If you want to increase um, female viewership of the NHL, literally Real Housewives of New York Rangers, get that on the air. And yeah, the whole the whole incident was despicable. Um, I would love to have John Davidson back in Columbus. He was such an asset while he was here and he was such a loss. And now they clearly don't value him the way that he could be valued an organization. And I think what would be a great balance to strike would be bringing him back and then hiring some like off the cuff, like young European head coach. Like how fun would that be? And then maybe spin off real housewives of uh, Columbus blue jackets. Like, and then we could just get this whole network going and, and I could run that and then I could make millions. And then th- that honestly sounds, but, okay. That's my pitch. <laughs> I would love that. I, I would watch, I would produce, I would screenwrite. I would put all the drama together, just make it, I need the funding, make it happen. So Anyways, yeah, that's my take. Yeah, well, the the way that he the way that he was like flexing in the penalty box after those incidents, it's like there's clearly no remorse there, you know. And, and deranged psychopath again, serial killer. Like he would be serial killer, and he still has time. Maybe he will once he retires. And when the league didn't suspend Wilson, you knew the players were going to take it into their own hands and take and settle the score themselves, no matter what. That's why that chaos was going to happen, and the league could have uh, could have prevented at least most of that, if not all of that, by suspending Wilson. But of course, you know, they just let him back out there. And then Washington, and then he and then uh, he reportedly was injured in that game. Washington just yeah. took him off the ice finally. And now and now apparently he is injured because he was involved, I believe, in a kneeing incident over the weekend. Yeah, saw that. Another dangerous play, of course. And, and you know, and, and Buknevich ended up getting suspended for a game yeah. for cross-checking Manth in the face, which... And people are like, oh, well, he got suspended more than Wilson. Yeah, well, he deserved to get suspended. I think, honestly, I would make it any contact to the head, it gets a suspension. Whether it's deliberate or not, we're not going to hear, we can't judge intent. But if you start s- suspending players severely for making contact with the head, whether it's a during a play, whether it's after the whistle, like, you know, Brad Marchand punching Scott Harrington, like, if you start punishing that consistently, guess what? Players are going to think twice about getting anywhere near the heads of their opponents, and that's how we can cut down on head injuries in the NHL And because we've seen the effects of head. Look at Alexander Winberg. It took him like two seasons after getting crushed by Wilson before he's been finally back to normal as a player, which you know was too late to help Columbus. So yeah, the, the, the league just needs to get a lot more serious about punishing incidents like that. And yeah, what Seed said too, Find the find the capitals, you know. Certainly, I think they should be fined for that awful, awful tweet that they put out. <laughs> that was, you know, celebrating the violence that Wilson no. pulled out. You can't, yeah, you can't. They enable him. Yeah, you can't just cheer that yeah. stuff on. That was wild. That was in. I forgot about that, PD. I forgot about the choosing violence. That again. Oh my god! All a bunch of psychopaths. It's <laughs> insane. Oh my god! It's insane. Yeah, his elbow is literally in our yeah, head. Yeah, literally. <laughs> Trying to remove your head, like, oh my god, he's crazy. <laughs> to add on to what I had to say about Tom Wilson and the the player safety being overhauled, which I 100% agree with, right now they're operating under a, we're doing what we've always done before. And Seeds had the perfect metaphor for, yeah, let me go rob 14 banks, but the first time I, um, you know, carjack somebody, then like, that's all you're allowed to pay attention to. 
the way that the philosophy of we're always we're going to do what we've always done before because that's the way that it's always been done the second that you try to justify that you are literally on the wrong side of history so the fact that that's what they continue to do is is not just damaging to a couple of players who get who get attacked by Tom Wilson it's damaging to the league as a whole and I, like i just i was sickened by that whole chain of events by the players whose seasons were ended by that and yeah i mean you just can't get away with that like you might have been able to before instant replay before slowing down you know being able to watch that in slow motion was sick he he's in your he's in your head oh my god like uh yeah well he yeah he's in our head because he's trying to take it off one final thought. Screw you, crew ownership. The rebrand sucks. Period. <laughs> On that note, we are running long this week. We will be back next week. I did say last week that we'll be touching on the playoffs. We're going to do that next week. Regular season is still playing out. Teams like the Canucks are still playing out the rest of their schedule. But uh, as the offseason roars on, we will be providing lots of offseason content. Check us out at CBJ Cannon on Twitter and Facebook at jacketscannon.com. And we will see you all next week. Subscribe to the Cannon Cast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you can catch every episode. Leave us a review and a rating. And as always, we welcome your thoughts and feedback. Go to jacketscannon.com for more Blue Jackets coverage from us and follow us on Twitter at CBJ Cannon. Our theme music is the song Green Eyes by Angela Pearlie and the Howlin' Moons. Check out AngelaPearlie.com for more music and show dates.